Hi everyone and welcome to Aston's Economics, Finance and Entrepreneurship Department's very own Learning and Teaching podcast. I'm Krishma Patel, a teaching fellow in economics, and in this podcast I invite various academics from the department to share some of the interesting and exciting things that they are doing in learning and teaching. So today we have with us Dr. Dean Gara, a senior teaching fellow in economics. Welcome, Dean. Hi, and hello, everyone. Um, let me introduce myself then. I'm a senior teaching fellow in Aston. I think this is my fifth year, um, but being an economist, perhaps I'm not as numerate as I should be, but I think it's five years. Um, I teach um, macroeconomics. That's my my main uh, sort of mission at Aston, I guess. And I teach first year and I teach final year macroeconomics. Um, I've also, over the last uh, three or four years, been teaching a first year module with my colleague, John Guest, um, called Applied Topics in Economics. And I also teach um, a group of postgraduate students. So these are non-economists, non-specialists. A little bit of background about myself. Um, I do a bit of textbook writing um, with John Guest as well. Um, our, our lead author is John Sloman, who hopefully is quite well known in the economics community. He's been writing textbooks, Christmas since 1991. So <laughs> that's quite some pedigree. Um, but I had a proper job once, uh, as well as being a teaching fellow here. And I've taught at Nottingham, Trent and Warwick and Leicester. Gosh, that sounds like a, like one of these football players who moves from team to team, doesn't it? But I've also um, worked at... Um, the GES, the Government Economic Service. So I worked at the Treasury, which you can imagine is a very manic environment as we do this podcast, and also a trade body called the Council of Mortgage Lenders, which is now called UK Finance. And I guess that might be quite manic as well, given events of late. So that's me. Good. Sounds <laughs> good. Thank you. So what Dean is going to be sharing with us today then is some of the work that he is doing in his teaching in order to bridge the gap between academic and professional economics. So uh, before we get into finding out exactly how you do this, uh, could you talk a little bit about your motivation behind this? So why is it so important to, as you say, bridge this gap? Mm. I think um, the answer to that is twofold. Firstly, there is quite a body of evidence, um, particularly from employers of economists, that our graduates perhaps are lacking in some key attributes. So that's not to suggest that we're not training them well in the sort of theory, the knowledge base of economics. I think we probably do a very good job at that. But what employers of economists, particularly in government, um, also Bank of England notice is perhaps we could do a better job when it comes to getting students comfortable at applying that base of knowledge and shining a light on everyday issues. So I think that's one bit of the evidence base that we have from employers. The other bit we have from them is this idea that perhaps students, I'm sure it's not just economists, but particularly economists, I think I think we find, struggle to effectively communicate to those who are not from our discipline. And if you ask me why I think that might be, obviously it's got to be related in part to, to what we do. Okay, so we as teachers have certainly a 
uh, a role to play in that. But I think also the general economics community, if you ask them um, what is a good economist, what attributes they have, they will often, I think, answer in the sort of first instance about the technical nature of our discipline. You know, what's sometimes called the hard bias, the maths, the rigour, you know, uh, and perhaps communication gets a little bit lost. It's, there's almost a little bit of snobbery there to be able to effectively communicate to non-economists, which you have to do as a professional economist. If me and you were sat in the, the Treasury right now, a lot of the stakeholders we'd be working with are not economists. You need to be able to persuade them. Yeah. Uh, cajole them sometimes, get them on side, and you have to find a way of making the economics real and, under, uh, you know, something they can understand. So I think that's one bit. But I said there's two reasons, and it goes back to my own career. Um, as I say, I worked for as a professional economist and aged myself here in the late 90s, early 2000s, and. How equipped was I for the move into professional economics? Not very, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd got what I thought was a good degree. I'd done the traditional academic route. I'd got the undergrad, the postgraduate in economics. I got the PhD. So what more could I want? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, as it happened, yeah, I had that knowledge base, as I said. I think I did. But I found it very, very difficult moving into the the world of professional economics, you know, applying the tools. I found that really difficult and communicating. Yeah, coming back to that, we had to write um, my day job at both Treasury and the Council of Mortgage Lenders involved. And we'll come on to this, I know, later with the assessments involved writing what are called briefing notes. These are sort of very short, succinct to the point what you really, really need to know type documents. I found that incredibly incredibly difficult and I don't know whether I should put this on record but I'm going to right Uh, if you ever asked me what was the most depressing experience you've ever had in the workplace or the worst telling off you've ever had in the work workplace it was over my briefing notice at the treasury and in a way it was a good thing okay at the time when you're being told this is not good you know it's not nice is it because we all want to be um, patted on the back but I realized that in part it wasn't just me it was the training that I'd that I'd had. So I think uh, final thing, I, I don't want to suggest the second that I came out of um, professional economics and went back into the world of academia and teaching that, you know, the light bulb or the switch, that's the switch, isn't it? The switch had been switched and everything. You know, I was always going to teach differently. I think it's over time that I've been able to join that experience that I had as a professional economist and my experience with students in the classroom thought, yeah, I, I, I'm, we need to bridge the gap here and make the students much more aware of what it's like to work as an economist. So I think it's been a gradual process, Karishma. I hope that makes makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can agree it's not necessarily something which comes naturally to no. us uh, to be able to communicate in that way. So um, yeah, we can definitely understand your motivation behind that. And I'm quite excited to hear about uh, how exactly you have been doing this then. So how have you been bridging this gap through your uh, teaching and, and your assessment? I think if we start with our first years, um, I think the biggest thing that I've done is to actually make them aware of the key competencies that a professional economist actually needs. 
So sometimes it's as simple as making them aware of what the world of professional economics actually looks like. And that, that might sound, oh, that's quite simple. But if I did a, a survey or if we did a survey of how many of our colleagues, not, this is not an Aston thing, I mean across, you know, the whole of, well, can we can we go as well as wide as the whole world, you know, the whole world of academic economies, certainly here in the UK. And OK, let's narrow it down in terms of our ambition here, but making students aware of what these competencies are. So these are the competencies, let's be absolutely clear, that a student who was joining the Government Economic Service, they would go through what are called um, Economic Assessment Centres, EACs for short. Okay, And they're assessed at these assessment centres, not just on their knowledge base, right? not just on their awareness of theories and ideas, but on their ability to apply them and communicate them. So in a sense, we have this phrase, don't we, in pedagogy about authentic assessment. Well, it's easy to get students to buy into authentic assessment if they know that the competences you are assessing and designing your module on are the very competences that they are likely, should they want that career path, to be assessed on at assessment centres to join the GES. So in part, it's actually bridging the gap by bringing the world of the GES into the classroom here and making the students aware of this at the start of their journey because I think it's too late by the time they get to the third year you know you can't just say by the time they get to their final year I should say that right by the way these are the competencies you need to be a professional economist and they're looking at you going why didn't you tell me this in the in the first year <laughs> myself and my colleague um, Robert Robert Riegler we do final year micro and macro respectively and, and Robert and I have have had long conversations about the need to introduce this idea of the professional um, professional competences of, of the economist. And I think we both agree that it, that it has to be a journey. So the biggest thing I've done, I think, is to actually make students aware of this at the very start. Base a module essentially around the professional practitioner. OK, now that means the assessment in in my macro module at year one has to reflect that. OK, so what I've essentially done in the assessment is to incorporate within it the opportunity to, for students to engage in the types of activity that they would likely be engaging on or in as professional economists. And I mentioned it earlier, didn't I, this idea of briefing notes. OK, it's it's both simple and complex at the same time, if that doesn't sound like a complete contradiction here. Um, and one of the things you can do and this is something that all colleagues could try, is they're quite versatile because you can change the audience that you get the students to aim these briefing notes at. So if you are, um, like me, very concerned about students thinking that communicating to a non-economist means dumbing down, you have to dissuade them of that completely, right? We've both got friends who are not economists. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a life, don't we? Um, but 
but being able to have an economics conversation with them requires us to talk I think you would agree differently to them you know yeah. you can't necessarily use the sort of discourse or language of maths or diagrams our friends would probably beat themselves over the head and go what are you <laughs> doing here what are you, what are you doing so you, these are really versatile things these briefing notes so my first years I actually as part of their assessment get them to to take a concept it can be a very contemporary one that's impacting on them or all of us and you can imagine at the moment the most obvious one is the rate of inflation cost of living crisis and rather than getting them to talk about it in a in an overly academic or maybe the better word here is overly technical um, way is to say right I want you to explain this concept to the layperson to the general public and explain why it's important engage them so I think the biggest thing I've done Karishma is to make sure that the assessment as far as I can more what's the word I'm looking for I don't know if accurate we'll go with accurately more accurately reflects the type of activity that they're able to to engage in or would engage in as professional economists and I will say one more thing because I know I'm doing too much talking or is that a bad thing in a podcast probably not really is it no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll say one more thing one of the reasons for for stressing that the type of assessment the way you teach because your teaching has to reflect it as well Krishmi you can't just assess them in a in what can be for them very different to what they've done at a level okay they're, they're used to a more traditional essay and there's a role to play for that because I don't think you just flip your assessment and leave out the more traditional I think you have to have a mix okay um, I think what you what you have to say to them is look um, to demonstrate knowledge deeply isn't just about regurgitating definitions and I think this is one I know we're going to do the tips at the end thing but one tip I would would do as part of this is to encourage staff to talk more openly to students about how knowledge and the way they demonstrate it becomes deeper and deeper the more they use that knowledge to address practical problems, real world problems. And the sort of pedagogical terms for this may be a bit dry, but I think they're very helpful, particularly when you're trying to bridge this gap as we are here, is knowledge just done in abstract, right? Just your theories, sometimes called um, decorative or descriptive knowledge don't get me wrong there's a role for it you need the students to have that knowledge base don't you in the same way I think Robert and I with our final years we've been um, doing a couple a few classes over first week and we've been saying to them look a carpenter has a bag of tools right I can't pretend to be a great carpenter Karishma so this analogy perhaps isn't great for me but okay now but it's no good having a carpenter who comes to your house and goes oh I've got this saw I've got this other bit of equipment and they can describe it perfectly but guess what they can't do anything with it they can't make you a new sideboard they can't you know put right whatever's wrong that's when knowledge goes from being descriptive to procedural yeah. and it's the same with the professional economist so the biggest thing I've done is in the assessment for macro one principles of macro is to say right students it's not just about defining things in fact for me I would say that's pretty low level knowledge don't get me wrong it has its place but being able to do something with it shine a light on real world issues I think that's very very important and it's authentic it's what we do in the in the real world so that's what I've tried to do but as I say in part the biggest thing you have to do is to convince 
students that there's a reason you're doing it because it is a bit different to often what they do at a level where they're very used to that traditional essay does that make sense and yeah absolutely I think it's key uh, if you're introducing something new whether it be assessment or anything else you've got to motivate that to the students they need to understand why they're doing it in order to actually yeah. properly engage with it so uh, I can see that that's a significant part um, of, of doing this um, so you've talked obviously about the assessment in terms of uh, your actual teaching uh, mm. and potentially the activities, uh, maybe in seminars and so on. Do you do anything differently uh, based on this idea that the assessment is slightly different? You have to give them an opportunity um, to apply, apply and apply <laughs> to be very corny, very, very cheesy about it. And I'm going to be quite honest and again this is a, a, a dialogue I think that you know the economics community needs because to apply tools I think we both agree they need the tools in the first place so there is always a slight tension about how quickly one should focus in the activities okay on the issues first and the tools second okay but certainly what I have done is to make certainly the seminars much much more problem based problem based learning much more authentic in in that sense and as i say there is a conversation to be had about how you manage to keep that context at the you know very forefront of what you're doing and yet at the same time particularly with first years and we have a lot of first years i guess it must be about 50/50 have done economics before right. I guess it's about 50 mm. 50 and giving them the tools in the first place but what I think I would say what I do I do much more of today than I would have done 5 10 15 years ago is it's the issue first um, it might be motivated by a question by a bit of data by a data chart because another thing <laughs> going back to bridging this gap is me and you know that economists we love our data don't we we play yep. with our data all of the, <laughs> the time you know when I was at Treasury they used to call me data dean because I just loved you know drawing chart after chart and I still do you know if you if you said to me would I rather go and watch Leicester win the Premier League again or do a data chart yeah it'd be a close run thing I think Leicester would win but I love my data I love my data charts I do but we have a lot of students I think who are frightened there is a fear a phobia I mean, you probably don't want to hear this given <laughs> given what you're because your teacher is that right Krishma you're teaching <laughs> yeah and there can be a fear um, but we have to be open about it you know you can't sort of run away from it but once you get students recognizing actually data has a purpose you know it, it allows us to see an issue it I think again we, we could probably both agree that a, a data chart a graph cuts through a thousand words really really um, easily doesn't it or can do mm. if you choose the right right chart yeah so I think what I've to answer your question succinctly which I haven't done it's to motivate much much more with an issue with data and I think one of the advantages of that with the employability gap is to dispel this myth that you know economists are only using data to do some very technical analysis no we're not we we use data often to tell stories so I think that's another thing I try and do in my classes is to get them comfortable 
I know the phrase telling stories might not sound terribly sophisticated, but I think it's very important that we develop the ability of our students um, to tell economic stories because that that is, as I say, a key part of the job. So I think that's what I try and do differently um, because, I mean, again, drawing on my experience here, I think in the past, it's not just a dean thing, I think all of us, if we're not careful, you get this sort of approach to teaching economics, which is we'll give you all the theory in years one and year two. And by the way, we might do a bit of application in your final year. If you're very lucky, you know, if you're a good if you're a good student and that's just wrong. You know, that's just wrong. You you lose the student engagement. And I, I have in the in the past when I've been a programme director myself, had students coming to me. Economics isn't as interesting as I thought it would be. So the oh, other, wow. you know, I've had that a lot and I'm sure colleagues, particularly, the, you know, the, the, those who have been teaching for almost as long as myself, 30 odd years now, you know, um, they will say, yeah, Dean, I recognise recognize that story of students almost falling out of love with economics, you know. So, you know, we talked about bridging the gap. I think in bridging the gap and making the real world really the centre of what we do, I think also a positive byproduct of that, Krishna, is that you can make sure that students stay in love is a is a big thing to say about our subject, but certainly engaged with our with our subject. But it's a balance because as I say, I don't want anyone listening to this to think Dean doesn't do any teaching of theory. You know, that's not what I'm saying. You cannot shine a light on a, an issue without a toolkit. You know, a carpenter cannot put right whatever carpenters put right without the the toolkit. So you can't have one without the other. The toolkit without the issue is is a waste of time, in my view. That's a strong thing to say. <laughs> but I didn't come in in economics just to study the method. Just, you know, I need the method, but the method has to be for a a purpose for a reason um, and equally you can't just give the students you know an issue if you're not giving them the economic tools to analyze that issue so I think that's what I've tried to do different in the, the class make it much more topic based but as I say there's a discussion to be had about how particularly at first year you get that balance between application and theory yeah yeah you know. Um, so I think you've motivated it really well. So to everyone who's listening, including me, I think uh, we definitely must be motivated to, to want to do this uh, for mm. our students on our modules now. So uh, what kind of advice would you give to uh, other academics hoping to do something similar in their modules? I think the biggest thing you can you do is actually come and talk, <laughs> but, you know, um, which is partly what this podcast is about, isn't it? You know, because I think I think it's fair to say that, you know, there is still a lot of um, we still are on a journey here as a community of economists in valuing teaching and talking and fostering that. So I think the very first thing is please don't be frightened to come and talk to to uh, other members of staff, to, to older people like myself. I don't know what that makes you sound like, Christmas. So I think that's the first one. But secondly, I think it's about having confidence that being, a, going back to something we said earlier, and you, if I'd asked you, okay, what you thought a good economist was, what would you have said to that? I think it's a tough question. And I think I might be a little bit biased because obviously after this conversation, now mm -hmm. one of the first, one of the <laughs> I've first framed your answer, haven't I? Yeah, you have, you have. Because I think when I was 
you know, a lot younger starting out in the in my career as an academic. I mean, the, you've got you've got to get through those early years. So you've got to tick boxes. I appreciate that. But sometimes because you often lack confidence, I certainly did when I was a younger academic. I tend to think I went into, a, particularly in the classroom situation, thinking the way to demonstrate that I'm a good economist is by showing off with the maths and the, the diagrams. That makes sense. Right. You know, at the expense of perhaps the student experience. You know, I, I don't know if I would want to be transported back to my early classes that might be quite a frightening experience but it's having the confidence to to understand that a good economist is trying to use those tools just to repeat ourselves a little bit here to make a real world difference and the application and effective communication that's not dumbing down that's not demonstrating a weakness at all it's actually demonstrating a strength when you can take a toolkit and you can do something with it shine a light is the phrase you know that we keep using these days that that that's really deep you know that's deep knowledge that's deep understanding so talk to your fellow colleagues and two i suppose try and believe me that it's a myth that a good economics is just about the method don't get me wrong the method's important we're not going to the other extreme so it is about confidence talk you know um, and we can do better at talking as an economics community i think but uh, yeah. share good practice. I think that's probably the key to all of this, Krishma. Great. Sounds good. Uh, the final thing, just because I'm interested in, in knowing uh, the answer to this question, is in terms of the outcome. So you, you ask your students to do this. Do they struggle with doing this in the assessment or do you find that, you know, given the way that you've kind of uh, changed your learning mm. and teaching, do you think um, you can see a difference? I think there's certainly um, some truth in that to begin with students do find it difficult okay because it's it's different Dif different can make it more difficult um, I think that the the difficulty in giving you a completely truthful answer here is that I've also evolved in how I deliver as this as well Karishma that I've recognized the ways of making this um, easier for student, the transition for students. So I think I hopefully, gosh, I think I've got better at it. Does that make sense? But I still recognise that for some students, this is difficult because, as I say, if you're trying to communicate effectively, I hope this makes sense. But sometimes you need to know something really, really well to be able to cut through and communicate it simply. Yeah, it's so, kind of like teaching, isn't it? Yeah. Don't mean you find out very, very quickly when we don't really, really know something. We can both put our hands up and get. Yeah, that's exactly. absolutely true. So, yeah, some students do find it quite, quite difficult. But I think this is another point. Tell them they're on a journey. You know, this is not something that, you know, they're going to get instantly. I certainly didn't. As I say, when I arrived at the Treasury, <laughs> I this was late 90s. So I was cranky. How old was I? I you know, I was a, uh, in my late 20s, early 30s at that point. I found it difficult. You know, and I was in in an environment which said you must be a good economist, mustn't you? So I think giving the students confidence that they will find this difficult, but bear with it. And it's a journey. It's the journey. I think, as I say, finally, I've probably recognised the the challenges that students do face, particularly in the first year. And I think I've probably 
address some of them. I give them many more examples, Karishma, of, of the types of documents, these briefing notes or blogs is another good alternative here. A lot of the types of blogs like the International Monetary Fund or the ONS, for example, provide are really useful examples for types of material. So I think I've hopefully got a little bit better in myself, but as I say, giving the students the confidence that they're not necessarily going to find it easy. Stick with it and you will get better. Um, and the positive is alumni, because I've been doing this long enough now that I've got alumni who come to you uh, and say, I'm glad you did those types of activities, Dean, because I'm now doing them as a government economist myself. Yeah. That's when you'll you know that's when all of us as teachers have that sort of heartwarming moment when we get that little that little sort of pat on the back and little feeling we've, we've been doing it for the right reasons so I think that's a positive note to to end on I hope that yes yeah. definitely thank you so much so thank you uh, Dean for this really insightful conversation and definitely interesting conversation and um, I'm sure that uh, others uh, will now be motivated to try to think about how they can bridge this gap between uh, academic and uh, professional in, in their modules as well so thank you very much uh, Dean and thank you everyone for listening